Last week, uh, I was gone. I was actually spent four days up north where uh, uh, my dad, he passed away about a year and a half ago. Uh, his home is, and it's in, in Morgan Hills, right next to San Jose, if you know the Bay Area. Uh, and so um, I'm there helping my sister, and we're trying to get this house ready to, uh, to sell. And it's, it's been, wow, it's, 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 it involves a lot. And, and so we're, we're right down to the wire. We're kind of on like the full court press to try to get it on the market as quick as we can. Uh, and so when I was there for these four days that I was with my sister, there was so many choices uh, that had to be made, so many decisions. And it was really, I, I just got to say, it was stressful. I mean, like a hundred different things. And so I remember in the morning, my sister and I would sit down and we'd look at this huge list of things that need to be done. And uh, I was just like going, oh man, I, this, this, is, this is stressful. Have you ever felt that way about just basically the decision-making process every day of your life? Like, all these decisions that I have to make, and sometimes, don't you just wish, like, you didn't have to do that? Like, uh, you, you make them for me, okay? Uh, can you take about five or ten, and then you take five or ten, and just, man, I just wish I didn't have to make all these decisions. And so, this morning, just because I want you to feel this a little bit, I want you just to hear me, I want, I want you to actually feel the decision-making process. How many of you have ever played the game... Um, um, I forgot what it's called. It's called uh, Would You Rather. That's right. Anybody ever played that? Would You Rather? Maybe a kid came up to you and go, Would You Rather? And they have these kind of interesting things. Would you rather do this or would you rather do that? So, Would You Rather? And, and I'm gonna, I want you to respond. I want you to be invested in this because it'll help you for the rest of the message as we talk about the fact that we have to make decisions all the time. So I, I picked out five, and I, I think they're kind of fun. Uh, the first one is, Would You Rather Be 10 Minutes Late or 20 minutes early. So how many of you would rather be 10 minutes late? Okay, all right. It's okay, don't, don't be embarrassed. I could, I could, so a couple of you are like, yeah, I'm that person, okay. 20 minutes early? Okay, all right. Uh, would you rather lose all your money and valuables, ooh, or all the pictures you've ever taken? Now think about that for a moment. How many of you would rather lose all your valuables and everything? Okay, how the pictures? Okay, all right, okay. Yeah, <laughs> get rid of them. <laughs> How about this one? Would you rather live alone for the rest of your life or always be surrounded by annoying people? <laughs> How many of you would rather just live alone? Okay, annoying people? Like some of you, I, well, I just, it doesn't matter. Just get people around me, okay? Um, would, no, this is, I thought this one was really interesting. I need to think about this for a moment. Would you rather be transported 500 years into the future or 500 years into the past. So how many would you say 500 years into the future? Okay, all right. How many of you would want to go to the past? Okay, see, and that one for me is like, I, I don't really trust 500 years in the future, so I'll, I'll do 500 years in the past. And then here's the last one. Now, this is going to tell you something about the person that maybe is sitting next to you or in front of you. Okay, so get ready for this. Would you rather give up bathing for a month? <clears throat> And or give up the internet for a month. How many of you would rather give up bathing for a month? Okay. <laughs> That's another one. Everybody's, you're kind of looking around. You're going, well, actually, how about the internet? Yeah, yeah, I'm, you know, internet is no big deal. So anyway, just, just, just a way of making us think about the choices, the choices that we make every day. Maybe what we don't realize is that choice is actually a gift from God. Have you ever thought it that way? I mean, sometimes we're like, yeah, but I'm overwhelmed and... It's just too many choices. I mean, this is one of the reasons that I like to go to In-N-Out Burger, besides for the fact that I love their burger. 
with like five choices or something. I'm always like, number two, that works for me. But, but there's, there's so many choices that are out there. But choices are a gift from God. And you never know that more than, than when you don't have a choice. Or, or you never know that more than when you start to make the wrong choices, but you realize that there are better choices that you could make. When you think about it, you and I are the totality of all of the choices that we've made in our life. As you have come in here today, you are who you are based on the choices that you've made, good or bad. And so, having said that, we want to make good choices in, in our life. There was, a, there was a study that was done at Cornell University, and they studied, like, how many, they studied adults, and they asked the question, how many decisions does the average adult make in a day? And they determined that most adults make about 70-plus decisions a day. Does that, does that sound about right? I feel like it's more, to be honest with you. I feel like I'm more. But they said 70-plus decisions a day. And, and so we think about that. For the moment the alarm goes off, first decision, do I hit snooze? Do I hit it twice? Do I even get out of bed if you have that option? Um, am I going to take a shower today? Am I going to brush my teeth today? Um, there are some things that are just like in my life, coffee will happen. I don't even have to think about it. Otherwise, the day is just not going to start, right? Um, but but is it, and then what am I going to wear? And, and uh, you know, if you live in Southern California, it's not too bad. You have just different choice of T-shirts if you're a guy. But anyway, just all day long, all these choices that we have to make. But those choices mean something. Um, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, and this is uh, Moses speaking here, and he's on the banks of the Jordan River. And this is, some of the, this is kind of the last little pep speech that he's going to give to the people that he loves, the people that he sacrificed his life for um, before he departs. And so as he speaks to the nation of Israel, to the people that he's invested his life in, he begins to talk about choices here. So listen very carefully to what Moses is saying to all these people that he's been leading for decades and decades. And they got a lot of history behind them, okay? So he says... This is a day, this, this day I call the heavens and the earth as a witness against you that I've set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now, here's where the heart of, of Moses really comes out. The guy that loves these people, he says to them, now choose life, choose life, not death, so that you and your children may live. And that comes out of a lot of living, a lot of experiences, a lot of things that they've been. He says, always choose life. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn because today we're going into chapter 5. Have you been with us? We've been on this long journey through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians was um, written by this uh, guy named the Apostle Paul. He uh, writes this book actually from a prison cell. So he's got a little bit of time on his hands as he writes. And he's reflecting, and he's got some perspective while he's there. So let's begin. I'm going to read 14 verses here. And if you have any kind of a way of getting a mobile device or a Bible, or the person next to you has a Bible, just, just lean in and, and uh, let's, let's read these words together. He begins in, in, in chapter 5, verse 1. He says, follow God's example. Now, think about those words for a minute. Yeah, but no big deal, right? Just, just follow God's example. All right. A little easier said than done. Therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love. Man, I, I just love the way that that rolls off the page. He says, walk in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then he begins to get into this list of characteristics that um, he would define as dark. 
This is like the before life, the, you know, before knowing Christ, before I, I begin to follow Jesus. And, and, and so it's, it's not very pretty, but he, he, just, he says, okay, so this is not who we are anymore. And he says, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, of course, joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving, for, for of this you can be sure no immoral, uh, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And he goes on, he says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, he said, this is kind of interesting, verse 7, do not be partners with them. Which is always a good place to pause and say, now, what does he mean by that? Don't partner with them. Well, look, at, if you and I are hanging out with people that are walking in a, and living in a world of darkness, it, it kind of says something about us. It's not that we don't have those kind of friends. We all should have people that we're, we're trying to help them. We're trying to bring some love and some light into their world. But if that is our world, and like, yeah, that's my people, man, then you got to think about that. You say, what, what are you doing partnering with them? Because if you hang with those people, live with those people, and those are your people, you're going to become that, that person. For you were once darkness. Interesting statement. You were once darkness. But now you are light. You are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. It, if you have a way of underlining that in your Bible or highlighting that, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful to even mention what the dis- disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed to light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. And that's why it said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It's, it, it's this last few words here that Paul is, is speaking, it, it's like quit slumbering. Quit hitting the snooze button of life. Come alive spiritually. Don't you realize the times are desperate? And so pay attention. Be alert is basically what what he's saying. So how do I make the best choices? And this, this is the big idea today. How do you and I make the best choices? Because we all know choices lead to consequences. And they're either going to be good consequences or, or, or not. So how do I make the best choices in my life? And the first thing is that we make our choices based on love, based on the, how we see the world through the lens of love, the filter of love. And, and that's why he says, follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children, and walk in the ways of love. Well, what does that look like, walk in the ways of love? Well, he says, well, if you want to know what love looks like, look at Christ, who loved us and gave himself up for us and so when you look at the life of Christ, you see somebody who every single day when he got up, he loved everybody. He, he, his whole life was defined by love, all the way to the cross, the ultimate act of love. That, that, that's, that's, that's really the picture of love. And, you know, one of the things that if you've gone to this church for any length of time, I know it's like, you know, Pastor Steve is always telling us to read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. Well, this is one of the reasons why. How many of you remember a campaign? It was out some years ago, and it was called WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? Anybody remember that? And there was bracelets, and there was T-shirts, and it might even have been bumper stickers or whatever. But it's a good concept. It's, it's what would Jesus do? But here, here's what I want you to think about for a minute. How would you know what Jesus would do if you had read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? 
Now, if you're new to the Bible, you, you would know that's in the New Testament. That's the first four books of, of the New Testament. And it's the story of Jesus. Now, here, here's, here's why I, I'd love for you to read it. Here's why you ought to read it. Because the more that you read those stories, the more you're going to know what Jesus would do in any given situation, in any given scenario. But if you don't read it, then, you know, you're going to say, well, it's, you know, it's, it's the year 2018, and that was a long time ago, and, and uh, I don't know what Jesus would do, so I'm just going to do something. But I'm telling you, the more you read it, you're just going to know. You're going to know what Jesus would do in, in almost any and every situation. It'll just, it'll just come to you. That's why you should read the Bible. That's why you should read the story of Jesus. And let me tell you something. It will inspire you. I've read it you know, hundreds of times at this point in my life. And sometimes you know, uh, people say, well, don't you, do you ever get tired of reading it? No, it just gets better every time I read it. It just inspires me a, a little bit more. Now, when we talk about doing things through the lens of love and the motivation of love, there's one thing that we can't allow to drive us, and that's fear. As a, as a matter of fact, this is the way that uh, the Apostle John talked about fear. In, in the, the fourth chapter of 1 John, he says this, There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment, and the one who fears is not made perfect in, in love. When we make our decisions and our choices in life, if it's driven by fear, most of the time it's not going to be a good decision, especially as it relates to relationships. It's just not going to be a good decision. I, I think about the kind of a church that I grew up in, and, I, and there's no other way to say it, you know, no way, other way I could skirt around it. They, they basically tried to scare us in, into heaven. They, they basically is like, fear God, you know, and, the, and there's, yeah, you're going to go to hell. If you, and then there's all these rules and all these hoops you had to jump through. And, and so when I was 15 years old, I had a crisis of faith. I finally got to the point and I thought, I, I'm having a hard time loving somebody that I'm so freaked out by. Like, how, I, I want to love God. There was that part of me that was going, I know I should love God. I, I want to love God, but it seems like he just wants to squash me. It seems like he doesn't like me. I'm a, you know, I'm a 15, 16-year-old teenager, and I'm struggling with a lot of things in my life, and it just seems like God is not my friend. And so, so basically, I just, I just bailed on it. I just said, there is just no way I can live this way. I, I, I'm, I was a tortured soul, literally. At 19 years old, I came back to God with a much greater understanding. And I realized that God loved me just as I was. But I think, I think even to a greater extent, I realized not only did God love me, God actually liked me. And I think there's a difference there. I think some of us think, well, kind of, yeah, in a general sense, God loves us because he kind of, you know, the Bible says God is love, so I guess he does that. But I don't really think he likes me. I mean, if you spend a day with me, no, I don't think he'd like me. What you need to know is God, he actually likes you. Created you just the way you are. And so when you know that, you, you can begin to, to love, not out of fear, but just out of being loved and, and loving God and then loving other people. Be motivated. Don't be motivated by fear. As dearly loved children. Have you ever noticed um, as you watch children, and, and, and you know, who doesn't love children, right? But if, as you watch children, when you watch children that have been really loved well, and really cared for, and, and they feel it, and they know it, and you can just tell that like, that child is a, lo and, and a loved child, and they kind of giggle a lot, and they have this easy way about them, and the kind of the self-confidence about them, they're secure and everything. You could just see it, but conversely, have you ever seen a child 
and you knew that that child had maybe wasn't loved, didn't feel loved, maybe they had even been abused, and they, they, they don't have any of those characteristics. They kind of flinch a little bit more. And you could just see it. That, that, that kid does not feel loved. In the first three chapters of Ephesians, what did Paul tell us? He told us in so many different ways. He goes, you're loved, you're loved, you're loved. He cares for you. He died for you. He likes you. He, you know, he redeemed. Just on and on and on. He just keeps talking about how God loves us for three chapters just because it's that hard to convince us sometimes that we're loved. And if we know that we're loved, oh man, life is just going to get better and we're going to feel better and we're going to make better choices based, based on that. Dearly loved children. You know, um, one of the things when it comes to faith, when it comes to religions, when it comes to different faith systems, most of you probably know this, and maybe to some degree you still struggle with this, and that is that most, almost all faith systems are based on performance. They're based on if you work hard enough, if you try hard enough, if you do enough things, maybe you'll get into heaven, whatever their version of heaven is. See, this is what really makes it different for us. The verdict has already been determined. If you if you have a relationship with Jesus, the day that you go, I surrender, I acknowledge that you died for me on the cross, like you did for me what I couldn't do for myself, you come into this relationship with God, and then the verdict is already determined. So it's, not, it's no longer a performance. We're not performing. We're not saying, hey, did you see what I did, God? You know, I gave a little more today, you know, and I, uh, I, I helped that lady walk across the street. Did you check that one out too? I mean, it's like, what is that all about? That's about works. That's, I, I gave, I, you know, I, I served. Great. But from God's perspective, he's like, yeah, so why are you making a big deal about it? Just do it. And, and, and do it out of love. For, see, for me, I, I'm not trying to work my way to heaven. I'm, 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 I'm headed there. And if you're a Christ follower, you are too. So what we do from the moment that we come into a relationship with Jesus is we are fueled by love. Everything that we do is a big thank you. We just go, oh, okay, so this is just what I do because I love you. You've already done it for me, so I just want to live this life of love. I want to walk in the way of love. Making decisions based on love. So, so we have to consider um, when I, whatever I do, is it based on what I'm going to get out of the relationship or is it based on what I can give to the relationship? Is it, is it, is it about what I, on a financial level, what I can get out of that, that deal or what I can give to that deal. And look at, just, just keeping it real, keeping it honest, I will, I will tell you that uh, apart from Jesus in my life, I'm always going to leverage it towards myself. I'm, I'm always going to do that. I'm a, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a nice guy, but apart from Jesus, I'm just going to make sure that I get 51% and you get 49%. Just, 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 that's just the way it's going to roll. Whether it's in a relationship or whether it's you know, financially or whatever else, but when I look at Christ and I realize that every day he got up and he said, I'm going to give everything I can to everyone that I can. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they're marginalized, especially if they're marginalized. I'm going to really love those people every single day. That I, that I'm, it's not about what I can get. It, it's about what I, I can give. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, and he did it every single day. So, how do I make my choices? I do, I do it through the lens of love. I choose everything based on love. But then I have to develop this childlike curiosity, or let me put it another way, like a childlike faith. Have you ever noticed that, that children see the world different than probably you and I do as adults? I mean, they're not, generally speaking, they're not cynical. 
they kind of just have this, this beautiful innocence, and they, they look at everything from a whole different viewpoint than, than we do. And they're curious. They just want to know everything. But they don't want to know it so they can exploit or manipulate or for some of the things that you know, kind of becomes our life if we're not careful. They just have these pure hearts as, as they enter into it. And so he says, Ephesians 5, 8, and 10 says, Live as children of light, and I love this, find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. Have you, have you ever thought about that, you know, in your relationship with God? Like, well, what actually pleases God? When, uh, when I was growing up in, in our home, uh, I can remember at about five years old, you know, loved my dad, and I thought, how can I, like, love, how can I express my love to my dad? And I noticed my dad was really into sports. And so I'd sit down with him, and we'd watch the 49ers together and the San Francisco Giants. I lived in the Bay Area at the time. And, 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 and I just did all things sports, and that was our love language. And I thought, this is cool. And I can tell that dad is happy. It just, it just, I could just tell. He loved that. And then when I got older, my dad had a really strong work ethic, and he used to talk about work all the time. And that was kind of another thing that was part of his love language. And so I began to work for him as a teenager, and I tried to work harder than anybody else that worked for him because I knew when I did, it was going to make dad happy. How, how, how can I please God? How, how can I, if you love somebody, you're going to try to, to please them. And then later on, of course, I married my amazing wife, Karen. By the way, we celebrated 38 years of marriage this last week. Wow, I know. I, I cannot believe that she has tolerated me for 38 years, but it has been an amazing... I know, yeah, you do. It's been an amazing journey. And, I, and at some point, uh, every once in a while, I think, well, I want to do something that will show Karen that I love her more. And so about a few years ago, uh, I was reading once again through Gary Chapman's The Five Love Languages. Anybody ever read that before? Okay, so if you don't know what they are, all of us have love languages, and there are certain things that, that like, really, like, we connect with it. And so here are the five love languages really quickly. Uh, words of affirmation. See, see, what I'm saying is see if you find yourself in some of these. Words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, or physical touch. And just where do you find So what I did is I sent this little test out to my wife, and I actually sent it to my kids because I thought, I want to be able to express to them that I love them, and, and I want them to, to really know. And so my, my wife gets this, and I'm really hoping that it's number five, physical touch. Like, I want that to be number one. And then I'm hoping that number two is also physical touch, and number three, too. But, but you know what it is? It's, it's uh, acts of service. Like, when I'm vacuuming, you know, when I'm doing the floors, when I'm washing the dishes, my wife is just glowing, and I'm like, man, why can't it be physical touch? <laughs> but that's, that's what it takes for me to say, when, when, when I'm doing all that stuff, she's going, he loves me. He loves me. I know because I'm watching him vacuum, and he doesn't look very happy, so I know that he loves me, right? <laughs> that's what we do. We, 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 we love people. We make our choices based on, on love and also on sacrifice. And how do I, how do I please that person? Now, I want just for a moment, I want you to think about maybe a, a situation that you're going through in your life right now. Maybe it's a problem. It's some kind of a challenge. It's, it's something that it's got you a little perplexed. Maybe you're even a little bit stressed about it, and you're thinking, how do I approach this? So this, let's use this as a template right now. Am I choosing what's good, right, or true? So just for a moment, just is there something right now that you're facing? Maybe it's a relationship issue or something at work, school, some finance thing, whatever it is. Is, is it, now if you use this as a template, 
how would this work? Is my choice good? Is my choice right? Is it the right choice? Not the convenient choice, but is it the right choice? Is it a choice that involves love? And then, and then is it true? Is it true to that situation, to that person? Is it true to myself? If you and I use that as a template, we'd probably make better choices, and I include myself in that. So. That's why in verse 9 it says, For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and, and in truth. And, and here's another one. Am I leading others down a wrong path by my example? Have you ever thought about the things that we do, how it affects other people around us? I know, you know, maybe it's just not a part of how we think sometimes, especially if we get busy and life starts to just move really fast. But do you realize that everything that we do has some kind of impact or influence on the people around us? And, and more so if we call ourselves a Jesus follower, right? Because if, if the moment that you, you know, basically come out and you just say, hey, I'm a Christian and Jesus follower, then immediately people are like, oh, so let's see what that looks like. They're watching. And why not? Because there are so many people that call themselves Christians and it doesn't mean anything. I, I, um, I think back to, and I, I think for the most part, I, 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 make a, I try to make the best decisions. And, and, and so just for a moment, I want you to go back to what would Jesus do? Okay, and instead of Jesus, I want you to put your name in there. What would, in my case, what would Steve do? So I want you to think about different scenarios in your life. And, and so here's the question. You maybe know what you would do, but the people that know you based on your example and the way that you're living life, what would they say you're going to do? If they looked at you and they said, okay, and maybe this kind of an extreme uh, situation, maybe it's a stressful situation, maybe it involves finances or something, what would they say? the people that know you best. I would like to think that in my family, in most situations, they would say, we know what Steve would do, and actually he would do the right thing, or he would do the good thing. Probably not going to pull it off every time. I'm like you. you know, I, I struggle, but, but most of the time, I'm, that's the thing. I want to do the loving thing. I want to do the right thing. I want to do the, the true thing. Some years ago, um, I was a youth pastor. I was in my early 30s, and I was mentoring this kid named Eric. And uh, Eric came from a very troubled home, but I had a real love for this kid. Um, he was a really, really good surfer, and so I would take him to the beach a lot. And he actually became a pro surfer later on. But at that particular time, I, I just want to spend some time with him and just mentor him. Um, he was a big part of our youth group. He used to spend some time at our home. Uh, on this particular day, we went to a spot in Carlsbad, and uh, it, was a, it was a break that was known for having mean locals at that break. And I just didn't think too much about it. I probably, if I had thought about it, I probably wouldn't have gone there, but I did. And so Eric and I paddled out, and wouldn't you know, on my very first wave that I took off on, one of those mean locals just dropped straight out in front of me and uh, caused me to have a huge wipeout. And so I wasn't too happy about this. And this kind of, if you don't know, there's rules in surfing. And so I paddled up to this guy, and I said, hey, I go, what was that all about? That's all I said. Hey, what is that all about? And I, I thought maybe there was an explanation or, you know, what's going on? And the guy, and I'm not going to use the words that he said, but basically, let me just put it this way. He was very disrespectful towards me. And, and, and so when he said what he said, he absolutely just set me off. And, and I, I did something that I, I've never done. So I basically chased after this guy. I'm in the water, we're both on our boards, and I started coming after him, and I don't know what my face looked like, but I know he turned around, and he was paddling for his life. He paddled all the way into the beach, grabbed his board, and ran all the way to the car to take off. 
So I'm just fuming, you know. And, and, but here's the word. I, I'm not thinking about what this looks like to Eric. So, you know, we, we finish. I get back in the car. I'm driving back to Fallbrook, where I lived at the time. And it's kind of quiet. And, and Eric says to me, now, normally Eric would call me Steve. But in this moment, he says, Pastor, Pastor Steve? I said, yeah, Eric. He said, that thing that happened back there in the water? <laughs> yeah, Eric. He goes, I've never seen you like that. And I could tell that it freaked him out. And I, I, I thought, oh, my goodness, man. I have just totally set a hor- horrible example for this kid. I, we're not going to always get it right. But we always have to know that whatever we say, whatever we do, Whatever our choice is, there's always going to be consequences. Thank goodness I was able to restore that relationship a little bit and and, and gain some confidence back. Finally, be the light wherever you go. Just be the light. Now, when when I say be the light, let let me read this scripture here. It says, but in everything exposed by the light, everything exposed by the light becomes what? Visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. So, Here's the question. It'd be easy for me to say, well, be the light, be the light. And some of you would interpret that as to say, try harder. Um, you know, just, just love more. And, and, and that's part of, that's, that's actually being the light. But it's, it's, it, the, the way to access the light may not be what you think it is. Because I, here's where a lot of people just struggle with it. When I, when I say something like that, even the Bible says, like, be the light, a lot of us say, so in other words, what that means is just try harder. It's always about self-improvement, right? It's always about, so I have to have more self-control, and, and I need to quit being so angry, and I'm going to do that. And, and we miss the fact that the only thing that can make us the light is Jesus. And if we don't have Jesus, we're just going to get tired, probably going to get bitter. And, and we're just... At some point, we might even give up because we can only do so much to improve ourselves. Jesus is not looking for like what we would call sin management. He's looking for absolute transformation of our entire life. And it doesn't happen overnight. But as you and I surrender, and as we submit day by day, choice by choice, as we submit to him, you know what happens? Is that his light begins to shine through us. When I say be the light, you know, I'm not capable of being, I can't, I can't radiate my own light. The light actually comes from God, comes from Jesus. It's just kind of like the moon. You ever see a beautiful full moon and you're going, wow, it's shining so brightly, but the moon is not creating its own light. The light comes from the sun. And that's, that's a picture of what Jesus, he brings the light to us. And the more we surrender, we, the more we say, God, you got me. My choices are going to be based on what pleases you. On, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make my choices based on love. I'm going to walk in the way of love. And, and when we do that, we begin to shine the light. And everybody that, that is under our sphere of influence begins to experience that, that light. So, question, how am I lighting the way for somebody else to find their way back to God? Is, are there people in, in your life right now and they're looking at you? If you call yourself a Christian, they're looking at you? Are you shining the light for them? Are you a, allowing Jesus to to get deeper and deeper into your life and into your heart. And, and it's not only changing you, 
but it, it's shining the light on all the people around you. And they're going, yeah, yeah, you're, you're changing. You have more love in your life. And then what thing can I do tomorrow to eliminate or to illuminate my world? How can I, how can I do that? How, how can I bring the light? What would that be? You're going to go to, it's tomorrow, by the way, Monday. So go to work, go to school. Maybe it's your day off if you're fortunate. But then there's Tuesday. And so, and so what, are you, what are you going to bring into the world that will illuminate the room that you're in, the cubicle that you're in, the, the school that you go to? What, what are you going to do? Are you going to bring the light? I want to, I want to end with this. Because there's, there's a lot of talk about light and darkness in these, this verse, these verses we read. When, um, uh, when I was about 15 years old, uh, I lived in a little town called Gilroy. And my dad and I and all our family, we lived on a ranch. And my dad was really into horses. And so I be, that became a big part of my life. Why? Well, I, I love my dad. So whatever I did, my dad was into, that's pretty much what I'd get into. And, and so we were into ca- competitive trail riding. There used to be these, it was called the NATRC. And, and we would compete in these rides, and there would be a two-day ride, about 50 miles, 50 or 60 miles of riding. And there was all these rules and everything. But the main thing is you had to train your horses, and you had to train them a lot because the horses had to be in top condition for these rides. Well, we lived at the base of Mount Madonna, and so... About four times a week, my dad and I would load up the horses in the trailer. We would drive to the base of Mount Badon a little closer, and then we would go up the mountain. And it was about, you know, probably 12, 15 miles to the top and then back down. It was a good ride. On this particular day, it was winter, um, and we got kind of a late start. It was starting to grow dark already. And when we got to the top, my dad did something that he was notorious for. He got us lost. So now we're at the top of the mountain. It's getting dark, and we're lost. So, um, you know, as a 15-year-old, this is not a good situation. I'm thinking, it's getting really cold up here. It's getting really dark up here. A lot of wild animals up here. What's going to happen next? And the next thing, here's what happens next. There's no moon that night. And at some point, my dad and I, we're, we're just stopped together. I can't see him. He can't see. I can't even see my hand in front of my face. I, I go, Dad, Dad, I, I can't even see my hand. What are we going to do? And the only thing I could hear is my dad's voice, and I could hear the horses breathing. I see nothing. It's pitch black. And my dad <laughs> pauses, and I'm thinking, boy, we're in a fix here. And my dad says, Steve, here's what we're going to do. Put the reins down. Put the reins down on the horn of the saddle. Just, just put them down. I, I, said, I said, why? Why are we going to do that? He said, because the horses can get us back home. They know how to get us back home. They can actually see in the dark, which they can. And it worked. Those horses knew how to get back home. They knew how to get back to the trailer. More importantly, they knew how to get back to food. That's why they were motivated. <laughs> and and, and, and so, so here's the point that I want to make. Maybe you're here today, and you're in the dark. And, you know, we've been talking about light and dark, light and dark. You're, you're going to say, you know, if, if I'm really, really honest in this moment, my, my world is kind of darkish. And, and, and it, you know, I, I'm not, I, I don't really feel like I'm living in the light. And this morning, I want to, I want to pose a question to you. Do, you. do you want to step into the light and out of the darkness? Because there's only one way that you can get there. And that is, like letting go of those reins, you've got to let go of your will. And you've got to say, God, I surrender to you. I surrender my life. I surrender my heart to you. Because God can bring you out of the darkness into the light. And that's what he wants to do today. He wants to take you into his light where you begin to make good choices, 
that have good consequences and they translate into a beautiful life, into a life that is full of life. If you're here this morning and you say, Steve, my life is a little dark, darker than I want it to be. And I, 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 I want to step into the light and I, I need to surrender to Jesus. Maybe I'm kind of surrendered, but I'm not really. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Because I just want to pray for you on your way out today. Say, my, my prayer is for you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let's pray. Jesus, we live in a world that is filled with darkness. A lot of dark places everywhere we look. I mean, on the one hand, it's a beautiful world and because you created it. and There's so much of it that's awesome, amazing, beautiful. And yet there's the other side. There's the darkness, which sometimes consumes our very lives. God, we are here today, all of us. In this journey of ours, we've made all kinds of choices. Some good, some not. And if, if some of us are here today and we're saying, I'm, I am where I am, and it's because I've not been making good choices. Lord, give that person the courage right now to totally and fully surrender and commit to you, to let go of their will, and for, for them to be able to say, thy will be done, your will be done, God. And as they do that this morning, the light will shine on their life. So give them the courage to do that and the wisdom and the knowledge and surround them with people that can help them to find their way into the light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.